This is the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain. Lianas are a major component of many tropical forests, but we know little of the factors that are responsible for structuring liana communities. Stefan Schnitzer is a professor at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. I recently caught up with Stefan over Skype to chat about lianas. My name is Stefan Schnitzer. I'm a plant community ecologist at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. My lab studies the maintenance of species diversity, mostly of of woody plants, both trees and and woody vines, which are lianas, in tropical forests. Um, We're trying to, to get to what mechanisms actually allow species to coexist stably over long periods of time. We're also very interested in determining the mechanisms that that uh, control the abundance and distribution of plants within a forest and among forests. So what problem was your study trying to solve, or what, or what motivated your study? Well, one of the, the fundamental ideas in ecology is that of niche differentiation, and do organisms have these strict niche um, requirements? And, you know, there's been a number of studies that have come out over the past decade showing that um, that trees have a, an affinity for adaptive factors in many forests, in many tropical forests. You know, in, in Borneo, in Costa Rica, in Panama, you know, trees have certain um, requirements or preferences, at least, and you try and you tend to find many of these species distributed non-randomly. But um, nobody really knows how general this this idea is of adaptive specialization for plants. And so we tested this with another plant group, and that is with woody vines. And these things are, you know, woody vines are really, really abundant. They're about, in this forest in, on Barro, Colorado Island in Panama, where we did the study, they're about 35% of the woody species. And so, you know, this is a considerable amount of the diversity, and we thought, okay, if this is a general principle that plants are distributed along adaphic gradients, we should see this with lianas. And so that's what we wanted to test. Can you describe, um, to people that aren't aware of Barrow Colorado Island and that sort of habitat, can you describe a bit about the natural history of the system? Sure. Barrow Colorado Island is, a, um, is located in the Republic of Panama, which is about nine degrees north of, of the equator. So it's a tropical semi-deciduous moist forest. So it has, it, it gets about two and a half meters of rainfall per year. And it has a fairly strong dry season from January until May, April or May, where you get very little rainfall. So you get a lot of rain during a, an eight-month period and then very little rain during the seasonal, or the dry season period. Um, there's been a huge amount of research done on this island because this is one of the sites where the Smithsonian Tropical Research Institute um, has has fostered for the last 70, 80 years, something like that. I mean, Barrow Colorado, Barrow, Barrow, Colorado Island and the Barrow Colorado Nature Monument has um, produced a huge number of scientific papers because it's a protected area. Much of the forest is old growth. And in addition, a, uh, a plot, a 50-hectare plot was set up in 1980 where they have been following all trees greater than one centimeter in diameter, some 220, 250,000 trees. And so... In 2007, 
we, we set up a, a study where we, where we tagged, mapped, measured, and identified all of the lianas. And both trees and lianas greater than one centimeter in diameter. And so we have been following some 67,500 rooted liana stems since that time. And, and this scale, this, this large scale study is unique for lianas. Um, there's a couple other plots that have them, but they don't have the detailed soil analyses that we could take advantage of. And so we're finally able to, to test this hypothesis that lianas are or aren't distributed across soil factors or, or soil adaptive habitat types the way trees are. So in brief, could you tell us um, what, uh, what your main findings or, or finding were? So what we did is we, um, we, we looked at whether this hypothesis of, of epic specialization was true in, in lianas. We know that many of the trees have, have fairly strong epic preferences. It didn't really exist for lianas. You know, you tended to get, if you look at six broad category, habitat categories, the high plateau and low plateau areas, which are fairly dry, and the slope areas or the swamp areas that are fairly wet, um, you tend to get more liana stems in the drier areas when you, when you combine all the species. Suggest that there is some prep. It wasn't with the soil chemistry, the soil chemicals, the soil variables, and the nutrients. Liana's had very little affinity and very little specialization on these gradients of soil nutrients, but they did tend to, to prefer drier areas. Um, but we also looked at the forest canopy height, which is a measure of disturbance. And we found that the main explanatory, explanatory variable was disturbance. You know, when you get a lot of disturbance in a certain area, you get a lot of lianas there, and they tend to stay there. And so this supports some of the earlier work that we've done showing that, you know, much smaller studies showing that lianas tend to be much higher in diversity and abundance in, in tree fall gaps. And this much allowed us to address it at more of a landscape and say, you know, it appears to be um, what drives liana in a forest and specialization. So why do you think um, lian lianas responded less strongly than trees uh, to soil and habitat variables? Well, it's because um, the nature of disturbance. I think that there, you know, there was some evidence that some of the species preferred certain soil types. Of, you know, and, and I say they prefer them. Really, what I'm what I mean is they were in higher. Um, they were they were distributed non-random in those in those types. Right? It was they uh, had much of a choice. You know, seeds land where they land, stems land where they land, but. Some of the species did this, but I think what, what's really driving the system is that most of these organisms are habitat disturbed in, or sorry, habitat disturbance adapted in that when they come down with the tree fall, they don't die. And they have a lot of clonal stems, 67,500 stems in our study, about 40% of those were, in, were rooted stems, but they had some connection to another existing stem in the, in the system. And so seems to be happening is that you get a tree fall, these lianas get pulled in there and start putting out a lot more clonal stems, and those clonal stems eventually separate from 
their mother stem, and they become independently growing stems in the forest, and they're driven by disturbance. And because disturbance is happening across the forest, across these edaphic gradients, it swamps out any edaphic effect that we could have put in. So you said that in the paper, in the manuscript, the paper, that uh, very, there's, uh, lianas are increasing in, in tropical forests. Um, is that, uh, what, what do you think the reasons are for that, the most important reasons? Well, according to this study and a couple others that uh, were, were uh, that are in manuscript form, um, is, is a prime candidate. So first, say, the evidence for Leon increase comes from forests throughout the, throughout the tropical Americas, basically. You know, you have forests in South America where this evidence is coming in, forests in Central America, and even in the subtropics in North America, it appears that lianas are increasing over time relative to trees, right? And so if disturbance is also increasing, and because of this study and a couple of other related studies, we know that these that these this growth form is disturbance adapted. Well, that's a very good explanation for the driver of liana increases. It could also be some combination with increasing seasonality, the strength of the dry season, meaning increasing droughts. If that, you know, the the, the fact lianas tended to be found in the drier parts of the 50 hectare plot. And they also tend to be found in higher abundance in drier forests compared to wet forests. So increased all throughout the tropics and there's increased drought, especially during the dry season, then you would expect lianas to have a competitive advantage and to increase. And those factors may be um, interrelated. You know, when you get bigger droughts, you tend to get higher tree mortality. When you get higher tree and more liana regeneration. And then the third main factor may be increasing carbon dioxide, which could increase productivity and increase turnovers. Now, some believe and have, have hypothesized that um, lianas grow better under high CO2 than trees. And I, at this point, the evidence is still lacking for, for, um, for this hypothesis, but it, it's also a valid hypothesis that needs to be tested. So how general do you think your results are? Um, you know, do you think you see the same results in other areas of the tropics in the, in the Amazon uh, basin? Or? Yeah, that's a, good, that's a great question. I mean, certainly um, this is a single study, a single site study. So, so as far as, you know, we can't extend them to other forests, but looking at data coming from forests around the world, tropical forests around the world. I studies pretty general. Um, you know, there, there are some, there's not a lot, as far as the disturbance angle goes, I think that's a general trend. And I think that most of the evidence, although it, it, their data sets weren't as large as ours, they're all supporting what we found. So disturbance seems to be a main driver of liana diversity and abundance and distribution in forests. As far effect, you know, you really need a big area and a lot of individuals to test these kinds of ideas. So if you look over broad, like broad changes in edaphic conditions and soil conditions and, and underlying bedrock, yeah, you'll find changes in lianas. And so then you can say at some level, you know, we, we, we know that the soils are important. 
But fine scale partitioning doesn't seem to be as important for us. Whether that's true in other forests, I think I think the jury's really. I mean, might probably true all over, but uh, our data don't really support that claim because the data just aren't out there outside of the site in which we worked. You just talked about a little bit of sort of follow-up to this from testing multiple mechanisms for the distribution of uh, lianas, but is there, can you talk about a little bit more of what you might do to build on this? Sure. So, you know, another, in, a different, in, a, in addition to adaptive specialization, another mechanism um, for the maintenance of species diversity is density dependence. You know, as anyone's increases in relative abundance, so its pathogens and its natural enemies kill the seedlings of those trees. And so there's, there's fewer safe sites. And so the real abundant species should have a competitive disadvantage in a sense, as far as getting their seeds, their seeds and seedlings out to safe sites or sites that are enemy free. So in nature showing that this, that for trees, uh, this was by Scott Mangan as the lead author for trees. Um, you get strong negative density dependence, but what happens is there are soil-borne pathogens that tend to drive this pattern where you have um, repelled recruitment, essentially, where, where seedlings underneath conspecific trees grow worse. And so then that the landscape pattern is you should see small individuals repel large individuals. They should be over-dispersed, right? They shouldn't be growing near their parents. They should be growing away from their parents. Uh, what we're finding is the opposite. We're finding positive density dependence. Where you have a large you tend to get the smaller ones nearer. And now know from this study that it's not edaphic factors. And then we used another estimate of edaphic factors in this paper, the separate one. It was more of a habitat estimate. We know Negative density dependence and adaptive specialization do not seem to be driving beyond the diversity. So, and so we're trying to mechanisms, especially the mechanisms that have been shown to maintain tree diversity or to be viable that maintain tree diversity at this very site. And so that, that's that we're working on. Um, we should have that submitted in the next month or so. And we also have a manuscript that uh, is, a, is a bit of a companion manuscript to the Dulling et al. paper where we are releasing much of the data that we, that we use to test the edaphic specialization hypothesis. And we're looking at spatial patterns. Leon's much more a much more clump distribution than trees, and the clonality is really impressive. The, 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 the stretch of propagating vegetatively is really important for lianas, much more than for trees. And it also, understanding that, allows us to start figuring out, based on their natural history, why the mechanisms like disturbance that seem to maintain their diversity are actually functioning. We've been speaking with Stefan Schnitzer, professor at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. For the Journal of Ecology podcast, I'm Scott Chamberlain.